0: Hail, hail! Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the Endless Celts podcast. Uh, My name's Anthony, delighted to be joined by two of the show regulars tonight. First of all, the captain of the ship, Mr. (laughs) Stephen Tomlinson, looking like he's just in for training.
1: How you doing, mate? Funny you say that. I'm just in from training. I had a personal training session tonight, and I'm fucking exhausted. I can barely (laughs) barely lift my arms, but... But it, it's, it was worth it. I f- feeling well. Before we move on, I just want to come to the, the Super Six. Get that out of the way. New leaderboard and a, a new leader. Anthony Dunn has climbed to the top of the tree. There's going to be an inquest. Trust me. During this podcast and how he's done it. Uh, Kieran's coming in second. Kevin third. Mark fourth. Jimmy fifth. <laughs> now Thomas sixth. Jimmy McIlwatt seventh. Alistair Jack eighth. James Bowie ninth. And William Dobbin are very own making up the top ten. So that's the updated Super Six leaderboard. Get involved with it. Remember to get your scores in nice and early for next week and we can continue this debate who's going to be top of the tree. But yeah, as I said, they're ju- just back from training. Knackered, but I'm looking forward to a great show.
0: Ah, uh, Brilliant. L- listen, I'm, I'm as shocked as the rest when you told me that um, just before we went on air. I was talking like, it's the old saying about, like, you know, when hearts get to the top of the league at the start of the season or something, it's like an elephant on a t- the top of a tree. No idea how it happened, but you know how long they last long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just back from his holidays as well, looking refreshed um, and, of course, well jet-lagged at the same point. Earl uh, oh, Roscoe's <laughs> back. How you doing, son?
2: I'm very good, mate. Uh, I had a fantastic holiday in Florida. Um, good to be back on, talking some Celtic. I've missed it. Uh, but, obviously, I had a really good time, as I've said, in Florida and I um I, I came back on Saturday eh, and I'm still feeling the effects of eh, jet lag. I started back work the day and it was it was basically a write off. <laughs> <laughs> aye, there's the first day back's just an absolute killer, mate. Isn't it? Um, oh, aye, totally. And by the way, see that as regards to Super Six there. There's a round on on Wednesday night this week eh, oh, okay. for the Carabao Cup, so obviously you'll need to get your eh, picks in before Wednesday night. And I, I would. Say the kickoffs are probably quarter to eight, so just so yeah. we all can get them in, get it in sharp,
0: mate. Absolutely, and uh, also, uh, you remember on the, the group <laughs> chat as well that you had, um, I think, for one of the matches, you'd been at the big supporters club in Florida, and I hear that that went down well as well. You might have been uh, spreading the endless Celts word whilst you were over there.
2: I was doing a wee bit of um, networking, let's say. <laughs> um, I i got a few subscribers in the pub, the, Luffy, the, Lucky, the Lucky Leprechaun, uh, which is on, I actually had a card, but I've got it on me, I've left it in my wallet, <laughs> uh, but it's on uh, International Drive in Orlando, and it's basically the Orlando Celtic Supporters Club, anybody that's been to, cheers Alistair, anybody that's been to Orlando will probably be, or any Celtic supporter that's been to Orlando will be familiar with it, uh, really welcoming. As obviously you walk in there with a Celtic top, you're going to get that. Uh, but welcoming Pub, uh, great atmosphere and brilliant for the game. I went and watched the Dundee game, uh, and it was fantastic. I never managed to get to watch the the Fionier game because I was uh, getting thrown about on a roller coaster in Universal. But um, <laughs> i the Dundee game was great, and their hospitality was brilliant. And if you if you're going to Orlando. Definitely go along to that pub for a game because it's it's well worth it.
0: I'll definitely need to note that for, uh, for whenever we, uh, if we ever get the, the chance to go over. And just one last thing before we get started. Obviously, Alistair's um, brought it up. Um, for the rest of the viewers that aren't aware, I mean, I know it's a shock to look at because it doesn't look a day over 21. <laughs> but uh, at the weekend, old totally Roscoe hit the big 4-0. And you'll need to tell us, son, does life well and truly
2: begin? Um. Well, I've been jet lagged for the most part of So <laughs> I, once I once I get back on an even an even keel, eh, uh, I've certainly got plan. I never really done much on my birthday because I flew back on my birthday, but I've got plans, and they often go out for a meal with the family and that, and then my huge network of friends. I'm sure we'll all go out for a uh, day out in Glasgow, maybe even book the top golf yes. or something like that. Um, I'll be there. Yeah, I, no problem. Uh, well, you weren't invited, but I uh, go for <laughs> <a minute. laughs> nah, um, nah, we'll get something sorted. I don't know, I've not got a date uh, nailed down yet, but I'll be, definitely be doing something. Oh, you've absolutely, got it, man. I'll no, let know when that party. is. We'll,
0: um, dare say, a, a wee day out in Glasgow sounds just the ticket. And, of course, oh, we've yeah. got the, the Endless silks Christmas party all booked up as well. Can't wait, man. The uh, the festive um, calendars, but fair, um, fair filling up. Can't wait. It's all good. But anyway, Stephen, we'll discuss all things. And oh, sorry, just before we do, welcome along everyone in the comments as well. Um, just kind of getting get, on, get on, on, on touch, just keep kind of passing the comments on and that will be part of the discussion tonight as well. Ah, uh, that's, uh, that's just his
2: natural look, Alistair. He's just uh, a stunt,
1: you know? <laughs>
0: that's the
2: best descriptive you could possibly have for it, to be honest with you. So <laughs> But, Stephen, let's get
0: stuck right into the football. Of course, we're away to one of our favourite haunting grounds, of course, uh, in the Tony Macaroni Stadium, whilst we were playing at Livingston. Saturday kick-off, I mean, I had to do a double take, Celtic kicking off before Rangers. I mean, you know, wonders really do never cease. But um, any potential banana skin, it was quickly alleviated an early goal. And although we'll obviously touch on the, the red card incident in a while, even with 10 men, I thought we looked very comfortable.
1: I mean, I think with 10 men, we all know Rogers has a game plan from his first time around here, that time at Ibrox, when we went to 10 men, he, he played a similar formation, it was Edward that time, coming from the left, Kyogo was drifting to the right, making space for Mieden to make the runs in behind, but I know we'll probably come on to the red card, decision size and and the kind of after effects of that, but I mean, the, the Tony Macaroni Stadium, what a name, by the way, for, for a Scottish football stadium, it's it's baffling, like, but yeah, like these games are hard, I know Rogers, I think he alluded to the fact he was only manager maybe two or three times, going to that place, and fair enough, he didn't get a victory, but Celtic dominated the game from start to finish, I thought the team is finally... don't want to like, look too far ahead of himself, but it's clicking into gear, playing the way he wants to play, controlled possession, getting into the final part of the <coughs> the, the, the final third, maybe the decision-making, possibly from a few players, needs to be better. But that'll come. I think Roger says that, and he was, all, he was clear beforehand that it's about the, the result first performance is going to follow, and this is further on down the road in, in his evolution of tactics, what he wants to play. But on that kind of surface, I thought... We sifted it around really well. We were passing it. We were controlled, and like you said, we get the penalty kick. Probably settles the nerve really early on. By all accounts, Rio Otate, it was a poor penalty. I thought your your I think it was Jamel George, is it? And the Levy goal, I thought he should have ha- had it, but I went under him. Sometimes he had a bit of luck, and we got that. And then from there on, after that, I thought we absolutely cruised the game. And Livingston try to do their usual: be tough, be aggressive, and that's the way they play under Martindale. Although he likes to moan and. More on about finance. He does have a well-drilled team. It's hard to break down and they're all six foot plus and they're they're monsters compared to compare to our squad in terms of like strength and kind of bullying players and that. But I just thought it was it was how would you describe it? It was a, a perfect all-round performance by the red card, obviously, which was probably the only the only down point. But yeah, up, the penalty kick settled and but took control from there.
0: Uh, it certainly that you know if it was so away discuss the red card incident in a bit more detail uh, very soon. But, uh, Ross, I know obviously you were no long off the the airplane at that point, son, you wouldn't have known if it was Pancake Tuesday or Sheffield Wednesday, but um, did you <laughs> manage to, to catch any of the game, sort of even on the telly at all, and or were you just um, still absolutely
2: in another world? No, well, by the time I got home, I got, I got in the house about half ten, and I just tried to obviously stay up to, as late as I could so that I could try and get back onto our time but I, I managed to watch the full game um, I, I, I have to admit I think I fell asleep for five minutes in the second half but <laughs> uh, other than that I've seen the whole game uh, I was really the eyes were rolling about the flare at one point <laughs> I was that tired but uh, I, I I thought Celtic played I well, agree with Stephen I, th- I thought we controlled the game it does look like we're starting to click into the sort of Rodgers way it's no, still not full flow, but I mm-hmm. think we're we're looking better and better as each pass game passes. Uh, and it's been pretty much for the Ibrox game. I think we've we've took a uh, massive confidence for that game. Uh, and I I thought we controlled the game. I, I laughed at um, Martin Dale's post match interview. He was saying that in that first half he felt it was a very even game and Livingston were in it. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think that Livingston played a few, two th- two or three long balls that troubled Celtic. It was one ball beat us, which was disappointing for me eh, for the defence, the sort of central defence. But other than that, they, they, it wasn't like they were keeping the ball or like passing through You don't expect Livingston to do that, but that's the way he was sort of, sort of implying that they were given as good as they got, and that wasn't the case for me, Celtic were in total control of the game, obviously they got the penalty, and that settled us down even more, Stephen touched on it it was a poor penalty Um, I think it was so poor that the keeper actually dived beyond it he, d- mm. he dived too far to save it and that's how he ended up no, no keeping it out but um, aye, at Martindale's assessment of the, the, the first half certainly was way it's, off for me a-
1: did you, did you see Martin Dale's assessment at the time Tavenier scored a penalty kick or something at the Tony Macaroni who was smiling all after? Smiling,
2: aye. I know. Uh, but aye, I I was... As much as they, I thought they controlled the game in the first half, like Stephen, we went down to 10 men. you seen it. The camera goes straight to Brendan Rodgers. It's like he thrives on it. Hey, I, I've got a plan for this. And he's so calm. I can't remember. I think it was Cal McGregor he spoke to. You, you could tell him, gain his instructions. And I have to say... As much as you, you make a plan for it, you don't want to get a player sent off. But mm. if there's ever a position in the park where it's an easy easy tactical change for to keep your sort of outfield similar to what you wanted, then you want to lose the goalkeeper because you just replacing him with a goalkeeper. And he just, he basically, he kept the numbers in the midfield. He kept his four and we went two up top. It didn't really affect us too much. We still had the, the players in the middle of the park that we wanted And we still had enough up top to trouble them. And it it showed in that second half. Thought we were outstanding eh, and completely dominated the game. And the sucker punch for Livingston was losing the goal so early. Had it went on a bit longer, it might have been a bit more nervy. eh, But Celtic took the game away from them and kept the ball off them on a really poor surface, as we all know. And it was a really accomplished professional performance in the end.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment, mate. And you're absolutely buying on about the pitch. The, the, the pitch is actually getting worse a bit about every right. time I'm, I'm I'm down there. I managed to get a ticket for the game on on Saturday. I've been quite lucky. I've been able to get to the last few down at Livingston, and it's yeah. We, every, every passing game, I think this this pitch literally cannot get any worse. But you know, they managed to they managed to come up trumps every time. But um, as I say, in terms of you made a good point there about the. Um, Jed, I think it was Jed that brought it up there about the, the clean sheet. I think that's one of the, the big things, Ross, as well. The fact that, you know, much has been said about, obviously, we've, we, there's no other getting away ab- about it. We do have a defensive crisis at the moment. You know, every, pretty much a full, a full back line um, is out, with the exception of, of course, um, Lager Bielka and, um, and Liam skills. And there's the uh, boys for the voice of bus on. Good to see these guys. Hope have a good luck for the show tonight. Um we have to say, as much as you know, we know that this potentially going forward won't be the first choice centre half pairing. It's also four clean sheets in a row. I know obviously Lager Bielka didn't start last week against Dundee, but you know, he's came on and that's four games in a row now where this um partnership, which is meant to be a big weakness, has um has kept it out the strike opposition out yet again.
2: Uh, well, uh, you can't knock them, certainly. has um, come in. He's young, 23-year-old. And he's come, He's coming in and he's probably expecting, right, okay, if I'm going to go into the team here, I'm expecting to be playing alongside somebody we experience, a Carter Vickers. Even to an extent, a Welsh who's played a lot more games than, like, say, scales are that. But he's been pitted in there against a guy almost as inexperienced as him. In terms of playing games for Celtic, but the two of them have really held their own well. I touched on earlier in that first half, there was a couple of long, straight balls that beat us, and it was disappointing. I mean, at that you look at it and it comes down to because it's these, these two guys. I, listen, I, they balls might even have beat Carter Vickers, we don't know that, but Belka I think he has had a couple of hairy moments on the ball, but then other times he looks really good on the ball. I think, I don't want to knock the guy. As I've said, he's had a few hairy moments, but for the most part, he's been very good eh, coming in, playing alongside somebody as inexperienced. And scales, Stephen said it in the last podcast, he's making his eat their words. I thought he was gone for Celtic. And don't get me wrong, I think when... Navroke and um, Carter Vickers and stuff are back I think he does fall down the petting order but he's absolutely not doing his chances any harm right now he's playing really well, playing with confidence uh, and he's, he, he's been a lot more physical than I had him down for to be perfectly honest with you and they, they've done great they really have and they're really certainly domestically They're 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 helping steer us through this sort of choppy waters. The now, if you like, uh, but we're coming out on top. We're getting results. I never seen the final game, so I can't comment too much on how they fared in that. But certainly the games I've seen domestically, they've they've done pretty well. And to go to Ibrox and defend the way they did up against it in the second half, you can only tap your captain. Tap your captain.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um for, I would say probably Lager Bielka, you know, he's he's inexperienced, showed a wee bit against Feyenoord, especially in the second half. Um, but I would say that Scales had very much a similar game as to what he had um at Ibrox, um, to be honest, Ross. I think that's what's really impressive. a lot of people now. It seems to be the, the bigger the occasion, the better he plays a, at the moment. And obviously, Stephen, <laughs> we know of what our our previous record had been down at Livingston. It's always a place where historically up until pretty recently, we, we did struggle. So we knew the pressure was on and especially with the fact that we were kicking off first, there was an opportunity there to go and ask um, questions of Rangers um, to see if they could respond. So the pressure was on these guys, um, but I felt Liam Skills, especially didn't really put a foot wrong on Saturday. And then one of the guys that was speaking to after the game made a good point about the fact that he seems to bring a bit of balance um, in the team at the moment, being that left-sided sort of centre-half um as much as things as ross alluded to still in a bit of choppy waters at the minute just with the amount of players we have out injured but having that little balance can help calm the waters a little bit
1: i think we all thought that left side of center half would be kobe assie remember and the uh, pasta brought him then he was left footed apparently we we're after him for like a year or so before we could get him off the club he was at it in japan at the time but i think for me liam scales is in the kind of fuck it mode he's nothing to lose and he, he, he's, he, he's, he's there only for, he's for injuries and, and problems at centre-back. Yeah. So I, f- I think for me, as, as an Irish boy, I mean, it's all cliche and stuff. I do get that. But he's he's in there at the minute thinking, I'm really a square one. The only place I can go is up. And if he keeps performing the way he's going, I said it in the last podcast, even when Fickers and Naraki and, and whoever comes back, Nat Phillips, you can't really drop him because I think for me, he's been... He's been really good. He, he's been probably the best centre-half I've had. L- Larga Belga. I think Patrick McLaughlin said there, he looks awkward, kind of moves different and, and, and that type of thing. I think for me, Larga Bielka is he, he looks like a very inexperienced centre-half. He just looks like he's caught in headlights all the time. But, and then Scales beside him, he's the most experienced guy, even though Scales is way down the packing order. And don't get me wrong, the two of them together played, played well. I think Scales has been the better of the two. That's no slight in Belga. I think there's a lot to get adjusted to. Coming over here, he played for a smallish team, Elfsborg in Sweden. I think stadium holds about 5,000 people. I know they're the Swedish champions and stuff, but that was kind of a one-off. But Liam Scales for me, he's the epitome of someone who wants to take that chance and grab it with both hands and, and show what he's made of. I think he reads the game very well. He, he's good passing. He, he, he gets up and he challenges for the physical aspect of the game, which we actually lack in the team. I think throughout the team, we're very kind of, not passive, but there's no really gap, maybe apart from Johnson, who would get stuck in and about it, get, win the headers and, and things like that. And Skills brings that. And I think for me, Anthony, the whole back four in general deserves a lot of credit. It's been been up and down all season. Alistair Johnson's only come back in. Greg Taylor's had a dip in form, albeit in the last couple of domestic games. He seems back to his best. European game, I think he was shite, to be honest. But yeah, I, th- I think um, for me... Liam Skills has taken this opportunity. And I, I don't know if it's going to go, do for him in the long run, but he might attract a better club than Aberdeen to get him next if we let him go. Maybe a championship club down in England or something like that. But while he's in the squad, he's doing what he needs to do. He's defending first and foremost. He's doing the basics right. And that's all we can ask for at the minute because, let's be fair, we have fuck all else to, to call upon. So we need, him, we, we need him to perform well, Anthony, and Larga Belga beside him.
0: Yeah, that's it. We're, we're not exactly spoiled for choice at the minute. The The treatment tables are um, pretty much full uh, in the medical side of things at the moment, Stephen. But um, I'm going to, obviously, we'll, we'll stay sort of on the, the defensive side of things because, of course, there was one big flashpoint um, in the first half to which my dad turned round. You know, we thought we'd open the scoring, looking very comfortable. And then, like you say, it was one ball over the top uh, that caused a bit of a... A bit of a panic, shall we say, and um, we ended up with Joe Hart. We'd been reduced to ten men. Joe Hart um, rushed out to try and get ahead. I think I think it was Nubly. Um but he got in there. Nibley bef- uh, got there before him, and it was one of the classics. Whoever was getting there first, um, the other the other person was going to be punished for it. And unfortunately for us, um, it was Joe who came off worst in, in that one. First red card of his career, um, I believe so. So. Um, we're obviously staying on praising the defence, etc., um, Stephen, but I know Joe is one of your favourite topics. Um, what was going through your mind uh, at that point? Because as my dad said at that point, you just something always happens down here um at, at Livingston Away when you can never just have an, a nice comfortable afternoon. Always some there's always some kind of flashpoint.
1: Yeah, I don't know why, but for some reason when you said Joe, my hair went to that still game episode with the buggy. Was it Joe and his buggy? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't do know. One of <laughs> the best episodes ever. I don't yeah. know why my head went there. But I I think me and McGrath He told her man, fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and, and people are saying it's, it's his first red card, right? But again, cynical said of me, is he slowing down? I don't know. He could have made it up there maybe when he was a couple of years younger. That again, that's up for debate. I know Roger said that it bounced up accurately on, on the four G surface, which which it did to be fair. Usually the grass would carry that along and it would just kind of skid out for a goal kicker into his arms and it bounced up. And I think it was Sangari, who by the way, Sangari had a, a really good game for Livingston. He really impressed me in, in the midfield and he got took go off quite surprisingly, but I thought he played well when he when he was on the pitch, him and Newplay, to be fair. But um yeah, Look, three red cards in two games isn't a good look. <laughs> and, I, and, and I know I won the domestic game, that's fair enough. And Hank Ross made a brilliant point. Goalkeeping wise, you can solve that issue. You you can still keep the core of your team in a shape. And I think Mieta and Kyogo worked really well. It was like a duo up top. When Mieta was coming through, Kugo was going out to the right. Mieta was moving to the left and Kyogo was through the middle. So it was kind of working in, in that instance. But <clears throat> it, was a, it was a red card all day. I don't know why people were complaining about it, to be honest. And look, when you have referees like you do in Scotland, they cannot wait to give Celtic players a red card. It's like Christmas for them. They'll be getting wee cards and thank you letters from certain people in the post in the coming days doing it. But yeah, it's a bit of a worry for me having Scott Bain maybe as our number one for the next two domestic games. That's given me the fear a bit. But look, you know my, my view on Joe Hart. I think we should have upgraded him on the summer. I feel like a broken down record to be fair. But yeah, he it, it, it shouldn't be our number one. He, he just shouldn't be our number one. And I think it's clear for everyone to see. Yes, he's made some excellent saves. He saved the penalty in Europe and, and things like that. But see, sometimes his decision-making, coming for cross balls, like having the ball at his feet, he, just, he gives me the absolute fear every time he does it. And Unfortunately, now it's, it's, it's for a goalkeeper to be able to play that way, sweeper-keeper role and, and all that type of stuff. And Big Joe doesn't have a voice, and Big Joe shouldn't be our number one.
0: That's what I love about you, Stephen. You always sit on the fence, never really give too much uh, away. And, uh, I, I, I must admit, I was, uh, the, the, um, in terms of the... I mean, it, it happens that quick in real time. My first initial reaction was, um, you know, John Beaton couldn't get his hand in his pocket quick enough, um, which I suppose is still a, a, a fair point, Ross. But I have to say, when you, uh, when you watch it back, it's not one of those ones where you can, you, there's, no, there's no argument really, is it? It's one of the ones whoever comes off worst is going to be getting punished for it. And unfortunately for us, it was Joe. Aye.
2: It's like like I said, I think I said it in the group chat, it's a 50 50. I heard, I think it was Neil Lennon, was saying that the heart was reckless and like he would have got sent off he's anyway, a, even if. Uh, no. Well, for me, I, I don't agree with that analysis. I don't think it was no say,
1: I'm saying Lee Lennon. Oh, really aye, kind of, aye.
2: Yeah. Aye, did aye. I, I don't think it was reckless. I think, like you've said there, it was a 50-50 ball. It was there to be won. It was about half a second too late in getting there. It wasn't any was malice in it. It was a full-blooded challenge by both players. In actual fact, you would probably say that the Livingston players boot. Was more dangerous than Joe Hart because Joe Hart, he, his foots up as well. But he studs are up. The Livingston player studs are up. But he gets there. He gets the touch and the ball, which negates that. And Joe Hart just his momentum takes him through the Livingston player, and it's just, it's more a coming a coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but later the
1: law,
2: it's it is a red card. Yeah, oh, as <laughs> a, um... <laughs> it is, it, it is a red card letter of the law. Mm-hmm. Stephen is getting wired into Joe Hart again there And he's, he, he's <laughs> caveating it And saying I know he made the save With a penalty save and all that He made that an absolutely brilliant save In the game on Saturday at 0-0 mm. uh, Down his yes. uh, left hand yeah. side It was he, He's a brilliant shot stopper he, he makes some really really good saves For Celtic still I don't think he's as bad as people make out but I also don't think that he's the best that Celtic can have in that position. Absolutely not. But it's who we've got the now, and I think for the most part he has done. Uh, well, let, let's put it like this: I think he's done more good for Celtic than bad in his time, which oh, yeah. is is I'm I'm quite happy with that. But also, I understand that we can do better. Uh, you touched on there, Anthony. The now, we're obviously, is it one or two games? We'll have been so in goal now.
1: I, I believe
2: it's just
0: the one. Um, I, I, I cause I've been trying to Google it today. Yeah, I know that sometimes I think people are saying it's more than one if it's for violent conduct, but I uh-huh. don't. I don't think that's necessarily what he's been sent off for. And definitely, in all the print publications today, Ross, it was just saying he's going to miss the Motherwell game. So uh-huh. I'm taking that. I'm taking that as. It's a one-game ban, so how are you feeling with uh, Mister Bain between the between the
2: post next Saturday for Fir
0: Park?
2: Probably a talking um, point for Friday night, but uh, yeah. Uh, listen, I'm not as worried as some people will be. I, I think he had a wee hairy moment uh, yeah. where he nearly cost the goal in the, the Livingston game. What I will say is, I think that Scott Bain is by far better than Joe Hart with the ball at his feet. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a, he's that, not yeah. by any stretch a better goalkeeper than Joe Hart. But for one game at Fir Park, I think I could trust Scott Bain. I, I think he's he's not an absolutely horrific goalkeeper and Celtic. Mm-hmm. You you should oh, absolutely. Uh, right, Aye, there you go. Um, I, you I, go. he's not a horrific goalkeeper. Like he's, he's he's not good enough to be Celtic's number one. I think he's okay to come in. Is he better than Seagrast? Probably not, but Brendan Rogers seems to seems to prefer him to Segrist. I don't know if Segrist has made noises he wanting to get out of the club or whatever, but Scott Bain wants to be here, and he, he's quite happy with his role in the team. And for one game, listen, the, the COVID season, he was in and out of the team, and he, he was playing a lot more um, games, but at the same time, <clears throat> people are slating him off the back of that season. The amount of shots he faced in that season for Celtic as far more than like say Joe Hartle face uh, a Craig Gordon faced in his time uh, even an Arthur Boric it, Celtic were awful that season and he faced far more shots he made saves but he conceded a lot of goals but so did the other two goalies but before that under Rodgers he came in and he, when he played under Rodgers the first time around he done okay he wasn't magnificent he would a really good game at Ibrox and he had a stint yeah. as the actual number one for a, a small period. I think he done okay then, but I think he's pigeonholed uh, in the COVID season. But people forget the amount of shots he faced and how exposed he was at times. Uh, I think for one game at Firth Park, the way we want to play, I think he'll suit that. It's whether he's he's not as good. He's definitely not as good as Joe Hart at shot but I think for one game, I'm quite comfortable with him coming in. It doesn't worry me too much.
1: I think see, I think, for, sorry, Stephen, on you go. I, I, I think for me, sorry, Anthony, like, <laughs> didn't come in. I think for he he played in the Mestalla, and in, in the Europa League, I think it was as well. And he played uh, quite well under Rogers' first time. But I think for me, like, it's it's a, it's an absolute joke that we're talking about and potentially being between the sticks. I mean, this is what, four or five years since Rogers' first spell... He's still in the club. He's only really there as a glorified number three. Segrist has found love in Australia. He's pining for him, wants to leave. That's fair enough. So we're really if evidently with no third choice keeper, because Segrist is nowhere to be seen. In the <clears throat> European games, we had a, a young keeper on the bench, can't I think it was Morrison, I believe his name was, and it was Scott Bain and Joe Hart. The goalkeeper department's shot the bits once Joe Hart's kind of injured or or he's red carded, for example. And I just think there's so much things, they're not going to old ground, but the, kind of my last point on anyway, if anyone wants to jump, jump in, that's fair enough. I just think it's utter neglectful, really fucking neglectful, and it pisses me off, quite frankly, that we're sitting talking about we're happy with Scott being coming in. I, I, that's my opinion. I, I it really is. <coughs> but yeah, there we go. I'm not saying uh, I'm happy, I'm, I'm, I'm saying no, I'm
2: no no
1: worried I'm, no I'm, I'm saying the position that the club are in, not you in particular, I mean the position we as a club are in, we should have Better choices than
0: that. I have to say, um like one of the um because you know what you know I've you know I've had my bones to pick with with Scott Bain in the past, but the one of the he did make a cracking save and it, it kind of went under the radar because there there wasn't as much going on, but it wasn't long after he came on the park. And the um it was one of the ones, I don't know if you remember it, but the ball just sat up nicely for the Livingston player and it was outside the box. It was one of the dead awkward ones. Um, for a keeper but and it was a kind of pile driver kind of shot and he did get down to it um, really well and he held on to it as well which was good because the penalty area was quite was quite packed. Um so you know, <laughs> you know my life flashed before my eyes when the lovely player um you know went to hit it but you know gotta give credit where credit's due it was a good save so uh we'll just have to we shall wait and see how he gets on uh, with his moment in the sun at Firth Park on uh, on Saturday. And uh, just before we go on to the uh, you know some of the other guys that really played well um, on Saturday, Ross. I want, I want to just bring um, you know it's classic. If there's a point to miss, the Scottish media will miss it. We know that. Um, but I just want to put, put, can I get your thoughts on the, the some of the ridiculous for me anyway overreaction to um, to Brendan's um, team selection on Saturday. Now, of course. Um, it ended up being a bit of a as Joey Trevine would say, a move point anyway, because obviously with the red card, um Jamesy Forrest then ended up coming off, you know relatively early into the game. Um, he hadn't done too much in that in the game at that until that point, but not in any kind of negative way, just the the ball most of the time was going down the left hand side. Mm-hmm. But some of the reactions, not just from you know your Clyde One panel. But in the print media of the day as well, it's just, it's been nothing but scathing um, f- from them as if to say that they're they they they're using this as evidence somehow that Brendan doesn't fancy um, Palma or he doesn't fancy um, Yang. It feels like he can't trust them. I, I mean, I don't know about you. For me, it just felt like a classic case of it's a dodgy pitch. We know it's a dodgy pitch. It's a dangerous pitch. And James Forrest is someone that he's, Brendan Rodgers knows has been and done there. You know he's played on that part before. He knows what to expect. And with a big squad, you got to you know you got to use those tools accordingly. Um, I, I, I just can't couldn't believe how how much the, the likes of Palmer and um, Yang are getting you know slated in the media on the back of what to me just looks like a rather normal team selection.
2: Aye, it was that's it, lazy punditry. It's mm-hmm. trying to create a, a story where there's no story. Mm-hmm. I mean, our first European game of the season away in Rotterdam, Palmer started, so mm-hmm. that puts mm-hmm. that one to bed instantly. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 actually said in uh, the right good times forum that we're on uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday to somebody, I said they were saying, "Can't believe James Forrest's been picked." Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is he starting? He should never be starting. And I said exactly the same thing. I says, mm-hmm. Do you know think that it's just because it's a dodgy pitch? It's a mm-hmm. game where Brendan Rodgers obviously thinks that we can still go and get three points at Livingston with James Forrest and the team, who is okay. He's he's down the petting order now. He's he's not the player he was. He's coming to nearer the end of his career, but he still has qualities, James Forrest, to hurt teams. He he has he still has. Let's say moments, eh, moments of quality in a game that he can produce to hurt teams. He's not going to do it to the level and the consistency that he that he had probably previously under Rodgers. But mm. I've absolutely no qualms with him come him coming into a game like Saturday, and I I was I fully trusted that he would do the job. Okay, you've made the point that he did have to come off, eh, mm. and he didn't do a lot in the game, but you also. Said and you were right in saying that most of the ball went down the left hand side, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just it's just try to create a story where there is no story, negative any negative story towards Celtic. Let's do it. Brendan Rodgers hasn't sacked Yang and Palma It it just doesn't wash with me. It's pure and utter nonsense.
0: That's as As I say, mate, if there's a point to miss, you can absolutely assure they'll miss it, and you know anti-Celtic stories as, you know, oxygen for the mainstream media. Um, Stephen, what was your thoughts on it? Sorry, just before you do, just when you were saying about the the Right Good Tims forum there, Ross, um, I was chatting to a few of the guys at at the Almond Vale on Saturday. I actually met Kevin Gallagher, who for a long time, you know, we just assumed he was um, running on the the, the Super Six. I caught him at the end of the game. And uh, a shout out to Steve McTiernan as well. I was sitting next to him for a few pints as well. So we, we had a great day. Um, and obviously the, the the Boyle brothers as well. That you know it was absolutely brilliant hospitality they put on uh, as always. So big thanks to them. But um, yeah, and you know I heard a, some nice words about our show uh, from some of the guys that I was chatting to as well. So it's always good to good to hear. Um, but Stephen, what was your thoughts? I mean, I'll be honest. When I heard the team, I I wasn't overly shocked. I mean, I think it is the same team that started in Fiannaord just with the fact that Jamesy was starting over Palma. I felt, for me personally, it was just a simple case of, um, like you say, Palma and Yang aren't experienced on this kind of surface. Put somebody in there that we know can get the job done and um, we'll have to fight another day.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot of people, fans and, and people, like kind of misconstruing it for... I mean, Stephen Ray, in the comments, <coughs> thinks that Roger's making a point about the recruitment policy. He wasn't happy who, who he brought in and who he was left with. Other people are saying, like, Ross, there is probably down to the pitch and these boys coming in from, from different shores, getting used to stadiums around Scotland. We all know most of them are absolutely uh, below par, let's just say. But um, I, I, th- I think for me that uh, James E. Forrest coming in, I think someone said in the comments, can't remember your name, I do apologise, about experience. I think he's played a couple of games there and he, he's done really well in the past. And like, like Ross, I mean, look, I'm not Forrest's biggest fan anymore. right? I was previously when he was actually making a difference to the team and he was excellent. And he's, to my eyes, he's a club legend. I mean, 100 goals, 100 assists. What a fantastic record over the years he, he's been in the squad and in the team. But again, like it goes back to me, like, yeah, you can bring him in for experience and stuff like that. And I do see the argument, hopefully of people saying, Why not just throw Yang in or throw Pam into these games to get them used to it instead of kind of drip-feeding them into the team? Because, eventually, they're going to be first choices over for us, you would imagine. So, paying the the transfer fees and stuff like that. But, look, I'm 50-50 on it. Mm. Yes, I can see it from the experience angle, but then, on the other hand, they're going, what was the actual point in it, really? He he was on the pitch for 28 to 30 minutes. Done all right. A couple of passes inside the pitch. Nothing amazing. Fair enough. But then, again, you've got £6 million pounds worth of talent on the bench who didn't even get a sniff of the game. So there, there's a wee bit of issue there for me. It's one of these ones. I'm, going to, I'm actually going to sit in the fence on it because I never usually do, but I'll just go down the middle. I'll, I'll I'll be kind of coy on it. Not too happy that he was playing, but again, I can see why Roger's done it.
0: Wonderful, never cease, Ross. Stephen sitting on uh, the fence?
2: I know, I know. But see on that, like, People saying, I don't even think he was brought in for experience. I think he was brought in because we've got an injury list as long as your arm. I don't mm-hmm. think Rodgers wants to get any more of the more prominent wingers injured. We've already lost a WADA. We've got a lot of big European games on the horizon. Celtic should be able to go to Livingston with James Forrest and the team that probably obviously out with injuries he's the only one that's came into that team where you would probably say you wouldn't expect him to start. Mm. So for me, I don't think it was like Rodgers made wholesale changes and it was, why are you doing that? It was bizarre. He made one change, one unforced change, if you like, mm. with an eye on European football and not want to lose any more players. And if there's ever a surface, that you were more likely to lose a player than any other surface. It's Almond Vale or Tono Macaroni, whatever you want to call it. Spaghetti had Spaghetti had I just think (laughs) it it was it was completely down to the fact it was a surface and he had he was thinking ahead to European games and possibly even like bigger, more tougher games in the league. I I think it was actually a really good bit of management and a, a, a good decision, albeit that in the end, he had to take him off due to the red card. But I think he would have played at least 60 minutes. Uh, and he, he would have done okay. I'm not saying he would have scored. I'm not saying he would have been the the guy that like changed the game or whatever. But he would have, he would have done a job. And Celtic would have been fine regardless of a red card or Forrest being on the park or not.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair, mate. Um, one other um substitution that I wanted to mention yeah. because it felt like you know who put fifty pence in him sort of thing was um because he was just exactly what we were needing. I, I felt just in the the final third of the game. Um, I'll just come straight <laughs> back to you, Ross. Um, was um Iwata. Um, you know I think he came on for try to remember now I think it might have been Hatati but I might it might be might be wrong in that. But it he just seemed to have a real lease of life about him, won a couple of you know 50-50 balls, pushed the ball forward. Um he just seemed like the player that potentially we thought we were seeing at Kilmarnock to you know he kind of faded away at the end of, of last season. But um I have to say I w- I was really impressed with him and um it's just one of the ones where I think like you say, big squad, lot of games coming up. He could fe- potentially feature more as well.
2: Um, aye, quite possibly. I, listen, I, I like Awata. Um, I, I think he's a, a very good player. Right now, our best midfield three. I, I think everybody's in agreement is um, McGregor, O'Reilly, and Hatay. I think it's going to be difficult for him to get into that. As like in terms of like the big games or whatever. That's going to be the midfield three he goes with. But, again, like Forrest, you've sort of alluded to it there, Anthony. He he might see more game time. I think he's came on in that game. He came on, I think he came on at Feyenoord again. I didn't see that game, but I think he maybe did come on in that game or it might have been the Dundee game. I can't remember. (laughs) But uh, he's came on and he's, he's done pretty well. I think he's got a point to prove because it looked for all the world. He was well out of the picture earlier on in the season. But he's slowly, I don't know if it's been a fitness thing that we've maybe not known about, but he's slowly working his way back in. Uh, And listen, I think in terms of football's a squad game, and in terms of using the squad, I think we all know that um, Rodgers will probably use the squad more than what Ange did. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think having a guy like Awata being able to bring him in will be invaluable over the piece. Again, he's not going to be first choice. He'll have to go some to split that um, midfield three up. But over the piece, he'll be a really good uh, player to have in the squad uh, to get us through this season.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd, I agree. And obviously, we'll, we'll uh, be touching on that midfield three just in the next uh, <laughs> topic. But Stephen, your 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 own thoughts on you know his performance when he came on? As I say, that the the first real kind of incident I I recall from him was when he won a. You know, he won a 50-50 ball and then and then won it again um, in, in the next challenge and then it started an attack, you know, it, it didn't come to anything, but it was just a case mm. of, you know, there was a few, you know, glances getting made for the up to say, you know, God, he's he's in the mood today. Um, we might start seeing a little bit of that more often.
1: Well, I hope so. I mean, early signs in pre-season was Rogers quite fancy. I mean, he was playing right back, obviously, to cover the injuries to Ralston and Charles at the time. Then he fell away. <laughs> He wasn't included domestically, on even on the bench in some games. Then in Europe, he, he was thrust in because of the red cards. I think Tomoki Iwata, I think Palm said it in the comments, he was player of the year in Japan. There's something there about him. Every manager he's worked under seems to have really enjoyed kind of coaching him and watching him progress. Posta Koglu, like his versatility, playing right back centre half and in the six. And I think to me, he adds a different dimension. Stephen ran the comments saying Hatate offers zero defense defensively and gives the ball away at European level. And what of to me could maybe be that stop gap if a is coming off, he can come in, stem the flow, kind of be that defensive minded player along with Cal McGregor. Ross, I mean, you spoke about this many times, but I think going into the Ibrox game, we thought he would be the, the two with McGregor in there, but it didn't transpire as that. But I think he's athletic, I think he's he's quite stocky, he, he's built in a way, he's obviously small in stature, but he gets in and about it, he's not afraid to put a foot in. He gave the ball away a few times, but we'll put that down to the pitch for in this instance, but yeah. I want to see more of him. I think the whole fan base wants to see more of him. And if you can get the best out of him, just get him into whatever position he suits. If it's in the midfield, let him fight it out with Atate, McGregor and O'Reilly. I'm sure he has confidence in his own ability that he can do it. Otherwise, he would have been at a club like Celtic. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see more of him. And not only that, I think he's going to be playing in an next European game at centre half as well. I think Patrick McLaughlin was right. Maybe it's game time in his legs for that kind of issue and make sure he's fresh for them games coming up. But yeah, as a whole, I want to see more of him. What from the wee snippets have seen, I think, his best possessions in the midfield, number six role. I know William thinks he's a number eight, but he's not a number eight, but that's an argument for another day. He's definitely a defensive. <laughs> Who's argue defense, that <laughs> he, he's <laughs> definitely a defensive minded midfielder, and for me, we need a lot of athletic and physical players, and he fits the mould in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fair enough, mate. Um, but yeah, just it, it was a topic, and obviously, when I'd sent you out, I was going to chat about it first, but obviously, well, we've kind of you know uh, went off on little, little tangents here and there. But I'll just come straight back to you, Stephen, because although the whole team played well um, on Saturday, like you say, even you know, players like Greg Taylor, who maybe didn't start the season in the best of form, looked really more um, like his mm-hmm. usual self on Saturday, demanding the ball, get, getting in t- up, and you know, supporting the. The attacking players um, as well. I thought he had a really good game. Alistair Johnson just coming back into the fold as well. It was great seeing some of these big hitters coming back. And um, Yeah, well, you know, Atate kind of ran out of steam a little bit, but again, I think we've got to put that into, you know, he's still getting back up to speed after um, a lengthy period out. Um, but I wanted to just give special mention to two players who've kind of been mainstays the full season and um, were absolutely on it again on Saturday. The first one... Um, Matt O'Reilly, who just looks to be in the form of his life at the minute. And, you know, I felt he had a brilliant game, um, breaking up Livingston attacks, starting Celtic attacks, getting stuck in, and just really running the show. Um, and the other one uh, as well was uh, Dyson Maida, who just, <laughs> I, I, again, he covered every blade of AstroTurf out there. Um, you know, he was just an, absolutely tremendous. And, um, you know, we quite funny. You know, he obviously, classic. Um, Maeda, he misses two relatively easy chances and then scores a potential goal of the season. That's just that's just the, what what he does. But um, I personally felt I couldn't pick between the two of them uh, for man of the match on Saturday, so I thought i will just give them give them a half each. But I personally thought they they two were in a in a good team performance. They were the two that stood out um, head and shoulders above everybody else.
1: I think Matt O'Reilly's turned into a box-to-box midfielder under Rodgers. The way he covers the ground, he, he can break up play. Obviously, he filled in that sixth position last season in Europe. He'd done quite well when McGregor was injured, but he's a different animal this season. Three goals already, albeit have missed, missed the chance, but <laughs> I was in the back of that anyway. In the end, Matt O'Reilly doing what every good midfielder does, make the, the late run into the box, and the one's picking it up and he, he puts it away with ease. But yeah, I've I've seen whispers that the Danish um National team, not the under twenty ones, are going to call him up for the next kind of set of friendlies or whatever international matches. That'll be a good fella in his cap because I know he's talked about getting to that international level and playing full senior debuts and full senior matches. So again, that's he'll love to do that with Celtic as well. I think for me, O'Reilly's from when Rogers first came in, he was talking about this different style of management. Maybe O'Reilly needed that that kind of man manager to be like, look, do this better if you are in this arm round the. Sh- the shoulder, if he's having a bad day or bad game or a bad training session, all that type of stuff can add up. And I just think what we're seeing of him, the elegance that he can glide across the pitch, he's fizzing the ball. I, I just love, I, the favourite part about him at the minute is the fact he's tackling people, he's getting stuck in, he's winning, winning headers in the midfield against players who wouldn't necessarily match him up against, but he's doing it anyway for the good of the team. I think he looks a bit a yard quicker than he done last season. He looks really lean, he looks yeah. really athletic, getting up and down the pitch, and we talked about that as well, maybe more athletic players in the team, but I definitely think already took that, and he, he he's ram with it, so to speak, but yeah, I, I just think he's excellent, I think, and everything he, he's doing at the moment is coming off, and do you know what, fair play to him, after the struggles he had last season, albeit he still was our highest assist maker, and he, he didn't score as much, obviously, but I think he's already equaled his tally this season, which is fantastic, but... You can see he's playing with a smile on his face. and The teammates are loving his success on the pitch as well. And it only bodes well for Celtic. And people are going to talk about transfer fees, what he could get for us. I'm not thinking about that. I'm enjoying him while he's playing for us. And I think we all should. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. And I've spoken about the League One level before. That was only in relation to Robbie Edwards at centre-back. No chance. But this guy from MK Dons, who basically every other big team in England at the time were following because he was producing stats that were unbelievable. He's been an excellent bit of business for us. And I think he's just going to take it to a new level this season and beyond. In, in terms of Mietta, <coughs> look, the Duracell bunny, the guy who like, can never stop running. I think Roger summed it up. When you're down to – you're not really down to 10 minutes when Mieta's on the pitch. He does the work of three or four people in terms of running and off-the-ball work. And he never gives the, the centre-house of Livingston a chance. I think Kyogo, special mention to the Kyogo, them two up top work really well together, pressing all the time. When you have a man down, that's difficult. They were doing the jobs of literally two, two people in that situation. And you're right, he misses the easy chances. He misses the ones you're thinking, man, come on, come on. I'm going to have to go on this podcast to give you grief, and I don't want to do it. And then he whips out, I left for the beauty of his shot from the right-hand side in the top corner, keep her no chance. And he didn't even celebrate it. He didn't, didn't really want to celebrate it. He wanted to keep going and keep going for another goal. I think he's the epitome of what we need in that team, just Pressing, pressing, constant, constant pressing. And look, kudos to the man because a lot of people may have written him off or said he's going to be sold and he wouldn't suit Roger Sisson. But I tell you what, Brendan Rogers has a soft platform, and he seems like a mainstay in the team. And I'm happy with that if Rogers is happy with that.
0: There you go. Just feel that positivity just oozing through you, Stephen. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Uh, what about yourself, Ross? I know you're, you've always been a, a fan of both of them. But uh, I did have a sneaky feeling you'd be uh, looking forward to talking about them uh, tonight because the two of them, I thought, were just in a, a league of their own on Saturday. Aye, they,
2: they were. Matt O'Reilly, I, uh, probably, I was going to say maybe he just edged it, but I, I really don't know. <laughs> they, they were both amends. Matt O'Reilly is more elegant. Stephen touched on it when he first came in Celtic. I thought, for all the world, he was a carbon copy, a uh, Tom Rogic, he was going to be his replacement, he was an out-and-out number 10 and in a matter of months, Rogers has completely changed his game It's <laughs> uh, and uh, the better by the way, and it's no slant yep. on Ange or anything like that, but he is a box-to-box midfielder now, he's not playing the number 8, but he's playing almost every position in that midfield at different times uh, he's He's the one that gets stuck in and puts the foot in, wins the ball. you seen that eyebrows in and Abundance. He was the, the one that was being physical eh, and getting in their faces eh, and it was no different on Saturday. Eh, but coupled with that, he also brings quality on the ball and like Stephen said, he's... <laughs> um, Like Stephen said, he has he's added goals and I think he's actually surpassed his goal tally eh, already for last season. It was
1: two last season, wasn't it? It was two. Uh, yes.
2: It was two or four. I can't remember. But I think he has surpassed it by one goal now. And people will say, well, that just shows you like that that was a poor season for Matt Riley last season. If he's already p- p- surpassed his goal tally this early. But for me, Matt Riley Matt had a, a really good season last season. You touched on it, Stephen. He was still the top assist. He was still affecting games. He just wasn't getting the goals. He wasn't applying that finishing touch that we've seen. in the they set, they well, he came in the second half of that first season under Ange, and he, he came in, he had the ground running, and he scored a few goals. But we do, he just didn't have that sort of instinct in front of goal. But he's he's surpassed it. But he's and he is playing better than last season now. And he's changed his game, or Rodgers has changed his game. But it's he's, he's, just, he's just so good. And he's probably... Everybody's on about Hatati and stuff like that. And obviously Hatati is... He's coming back to fitness. I think it is purely a fitness thing once he gets games under his belt. But Matt O'Reilly, for me, is performing every bit as good as Hatati has at any point. And he's Celtic Great career. Point. I think Matt O'Reilly is performing Great every bit as good as that right now uh, I think he's immense and he's he's coming in that, that late run it's where he's getting his goals. It's I'm trying to think it's reminiscent. Of. I don't know, but as mm, I, I you could say that. You could say that he's not as dynamic as Petrov certainly. No. But no, um, no. that that sort of arriving late into the box and picking up the scraps or even the cutbacks and he's he's just being clinical and Every single time he puts the ball in the net, it's never lashed, it's caressed in, it's placed, it's passed. He's, he just oozes his quality. And like Stephen, I'm not thinking about what amount of money we can get from him. I want us to keep a guy like that for as long as we possibly can. He's an outstanding footballer. And then you go on he dies in Maeda. He's not as elegant, as I've said, as uh, Matt O'Reilly, but you all know what I think of him. I, mm-hmm. I've loved him, like, fate. Pretty much the word go. His work rate is sensational. He's protected Greg Taylor uh, so many times. Uh, he's the first mm-hmm. name in the team sheet when we go to Ibrox for me, and I think that's the biggest testament you can, or the biggest compliment, sorry, you can pay him. He's uh, worked great. Roger said that, like Stephen. He, he does the work rate, of two men. It's phenomenal. And he, he's. He is frustrating at times. His first touch, you know, that isn't he isn't he what you would want it to be. Like say that the chance he, he missed when O'Reilly obviously got the goal. People have said it was a bit of a sitter. No, I don't agree it was a sitter. I think it sort of popped up and he'd his run had t- taken him beyond the ball. It was a bit of timing in the run and it, it wasn't I don't think it was as bad a mess as people think, but He still, he looks awkward at times on the ball, but when he gets going full tilt running at a man, he's very hard to stop. And when he does, he comes up with moments like he did at the end of the game. You can tell he's got that class in him, but he just needs to to bring it to the fore more. And I've, I've heard a lot of folks saying, if Dyson Maeda, could do that what he done at the end of the game all the time he wouldn't be at Celtic the reason he's at Celtic is because he is quite awkward for the most part and I would have to agree with that but in terms of what he brings to this team I said it last season and I'll say it again he is invaluable to this Celtic team he's invaluable to any Celtic team he's worked with. it's phenomenal and he, once again he was fabulous for Celtic and he has been Pretty much all season. Yeah.
0: Can't really argue with any of that, mate. And I'm just going to come straight back at you just for the, the final point because I know obviously we, we were, you know, big big cheerleaders for, for getting Brendan back in the door. Um after, you know, the announcement obviously that Ange was going to be leaving um for Pastures New. And um, you know, there's <laughs> been, you know, for one reason or another, um, bizarrely, a section of the fan base that, that didn't seem to be having them. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't miss the irony of the same folk that wanted them lunch two weeks ago at St Johnston were, um, you know, blowing them kisses at full time, um, but you know, such is the fickle nature of the of the <laughs> the boys' brigade, as you know. Um, but having said that, I just felt that the full day was was Brendan's day. But from the the team selection, which I think, when you know, we spoke about, I think was spot on. He's in game management, especially going down to ten men. Um, he's sort of. His mannerisms at the end um, on the pitch and you know, helping that you know, put you know, kind of getting the wee boy out of trouble, but just putting him back in the stand, and then his post match comments as well. You know, when you know, he was pointed out that that's some you know, he's won, you know, played five and drew one, and yeah, you know, the comments about Maida, and you know, he sarcastically says, Aye, and that's us struggling, you know, just mm-hmm. little comments like that. It, I just felt it was, it, it was a day where he. He owned it all. Um, Simon Jordan last week on TalkSport argued that he's not a top-class manager. Danny Murphy very quickly refuted that and um, claimed that he is. Um, and Simon's reply to that was based on what? I and mean, Danny Murphy absolutely brilliant. Meant a really good body of work everywhere he goes. And I don't really think you can can argue with that. But I know we are, we are fans of that show. So who's camp are you in?
2: Danny Murphy's, of course <laughs> <laughs> and that's not just looking at uh, through green tinted glasses mm-hmm. I say that when he was first linked uh, to come back to Celtic we're getting an elite manager we had an elite manager in Postacoglu, and we had to replace him with an elite manager, we just had to off the back of a treble and they done that, you look at it we were looking at Maresca and stuff like that, and people say, "Oh, he's doing quite good at Leicester." He's not an elite manager. He's he's not going to come in and uh, off the back of Ange. It, it wouldn't have washed with me. Brendan Rodgers does, and Danny Murphy's bangling the money. He's of work. Mm-hmm. Like he was at okay. He had the one block, uh, I think it was at Watford, um, mm-hmm. but he he brought a Swansea team up into the Premier League. Kept them there. Then played a brandy football that the entire league was talking about. At such was the brandy football that Liverpool Football Club came in and took him for Swansea. Yeah. He almost he delivered a league title for Liverpool, but for a slip for the famous mm-hmm. Stephen Gerrard, um, and obviously the, the the collapse at Palace. But he almost delivered a league title for the first time in like I don't know, I think it was maybe twenty five years or something like that. So close. He then obviously goes a wee bit downhill in the, the latter stages he's Liverpool, career. He comes to Celtic, he wins seven trophies out of seven, and then he gets his move to Leicester. Leicester obviously won a league title, and they done really well, but there's nobody got to tell me that that Leicester team that won the league title played a better brand of football than the Leicester under, under Brendan Rodgers when they won an FA Cup when they got two fifth place finishes, but for just coming up that wee bit short, maybe just that that lovely player down. They almost got top four two seasons in a row. If that's not an elite manager taking Leicester City to that, Ranieri done it for one season. Brendan Rodgers done it for two seasons, won an FA Cup. There's nobody got to tell me that he's not an elite manager. I think mm-hmm. that Simon Jordan thinks he's an elite manager, but he's in a he's on a program where you have to create debate. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, all he's doing. I think it's t- to get folk, folk watching, get folk phoning in. Brendan Rodgers, is absolutely an elite manager, it's no even up for discussion.
0: <laughs> oh, superb, superb. And uh, Stephen, I'll give the final final word to yourself on it, um, fellow Irishman. You glad to you? you, you did you feel he, he ran the show on Saturday?
1: Oh, he he ran the show. And by the way, see that security guard he's a smack in the mouth. See how rough he was with that weekend? He proper spared him. Like, what, what's the point in that? I mean, Rogers, I know people are saying Rogers is trying his best to get the fans on side, but look, any human being saying that would have stepped in. So I mean he's only a weak kid wanting to, to meet his heroes and, that. and Rogers done the right thing, in my opinion. And like you said, team selection and game management all spot on. Look, see Simon Jordan. He's as much as fact me A fact me as a morning fart. It blows on by and I don't give a fuck after it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's an absolute tosspad. <laughs> and, and I I, I, agree. I agree with most of the people in the comments. And look, I get, I get that he creates debate and that and he has his wee talk show or whatever it is. And it's quite good. I watch the clips and all sometimes and he talks to people and that, fair enough. But Brendan Rodgers, for us, was the best choice after Posta Coglu. Enzo Mareska, fair enough, has went to Leicester. I think he's unbeaten. He's doing quite well. But he hasn't proved himself. And I think we all would have fucking went mental. If someone like him came in after Post the him, because it wasn't a time for another project, we needed a manager to take us forward again. And the, the way I look at it, Rogers, like you said, Swansea brung them up. Scott Sinclair, top goal scorer, 25 goals plus, went to Liverpool. And look, people have to realise this as well. Liverpool had a transfer committee that really, really dealt Rogers a bad hand at points. They were bringing in players left, right and centre. And this was a lot to be spoke about years ago when he was there and all these transfer committees. I think they were one of the first clubs they involved in, and I think he didn't get the players he wanted and things like that. But he developed Luis Suarez, Raheem Sterling, Daniel Sturridge to a lesser degree. He still has Steven Gerrard and, and players like that. And unfortunately from a slip, he didn't win the league. That's fair enough. He moves on. He takes a, couple, a year out, comes to us, wins all the trophies available to him. Then he goes to Leicester. By the way, Ross, you forgot the semi final as well that he took him to in uh, Europe, mm-hmm. Conference League. So come on, He's like these are the same people that try and tell us that Michael Beale is slightly behind Rodgers as a manager. Michael Beale has done fuck all in football <laughs> management, absolutely <laughs> fuck all. You can tell it annoys me, but he gets a welcome to Scotland like Pep Guardiola has took over Rangers and they're going to win everything in front of him. He gets talked about think like he's the best coach that's ever walked the face of earth. His coaching methods are insane. Your man Sterling, who signed for, signed for Rangers, said he's a tactical genius. No, he's not. He's a mess. And I'll tell you another thing. See that their Mullerbill game that they won, their own fans booed them after a victory. He was that bad. He was that bad. The team were that bad. Mullerbill should have won it. I watched most of the game. They missed bag loads of chances. But back to Rodgers. In Scotland, he's the best we could attract. And look, we all know the past. And look, don't get me wrong. We're going to be speaking about it every time we drop a point or we lose. Supporters are going to give him backlash. I'm sure he knows that's going to happen. And he wouldn't have come back if he wasn't comfortable with it, right? At the end of the day, he's at Celtic. And as he said to all of us, we'll see him in May with a league title, hopefully in the bag. Ah, oh,
2: brilliant. So Steve Stephen. To buy what the a way could... to it off. No, sorry, sorry, can, you th- I ju- can I just add to that? Off the back of Leicester, right, he obviously loses his job. He wasn't back that uh, final season for me, and Leicester were, he was on a high know nothing with Leicester. But, off the back of that, the Tottenham job became available. Now, Ange Postacoglu, I think everybody has said that he's an elite manager. He got the job right. If Brendan Rodgers, if Postacoglu hadn't been offered it and he stayed at Celtic, And Brendan Rodgers went to Tottenham. There wouldn't have been a raised eyebrow in the country. Nobody would have batted an eyelid. Because Brendan Rodgers could go and get that Tottenham job and do a fantastic job and win something with Tottenham. I quite... Like, see, even... He's at Celtic now and I don't want him to go. But if he was still... I I don't think it would happen because he's at Celtic. But if he was still managing, playing his trade down south and Ten Hag lost his job and Man United went in for uh, Brendan Rodgers, I oh, wouldn't bat an eyelid. I think he could go there and do a job. That's how good I believe he is.
0: Yeah, I I, I think he's top drawn mate. I do. I, I, I just think everyone about him at the minute is just he's getting that that, that groove back. As, as we're saying, the, the team are just um, coming along nicely, and fingers crossed. Uh, obviously, I'll leave it up to you guys to chat about it on Friday night. But hopefully, the, the good form continues on Saturday um, away to Motherwell. But in terms of tonight, I think that's pretty much. Uh, Pretty much Livingston covered. Uh, You've enjoyed that one?
2: Brilliant, Bill. Brilliant. I enjoyed that. Good to get back on, I think. Uh, it's about three weeks we I've been on, so apologies Living if I went on a few rounds. Three <laughs> oh, <laughs> weeks <laughs> and both <laughs> time zones, son. Uh, <laughs> <if I'm laughs> Happy y'all.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, Stephen as well, yep, absolutely get great to um, be on with you tonight. And thanks again for everyone uh, for watching. If you have enjoyed it, um, and if you haven't subscribed yet, by all means, just hit the subscription um, option and hit that wee bell um, next to it as well, because then that will notify you anytime we go live. Because it's not just Mondays and Fridays; sometimes we do do the odd spin-off, um, etc. as well. Hopefully, I'll try and get one one of the European ones done. Um, pretty soon um, as well, because I know I've got five Champions League rewind shows left today. Yes, Alphalete,
1: let's go, boy.
0: Yeah. That's that. that's, I'm a bit behind schedule. Uh, Fuck's no, that, sake, that's, we'll, we'll that's be out, out soon. soon. <laughs> we need them
2: done.
0: Bless do that boy. Superb. Uh, but that's it for, for me as well, guys. And I'll just uh, hand you over to Stephen for the, the usual farewell. And we'll see you next time on Friday night at 8 o'clock. Cheers.
1: It's Anthony Wells, summed up the podcast. Back Friday night, 8 o'clock, looking ahead to the Mullerwell game, which will be a tough game, but we'll have a good chat, maybe a beer or two. Until then, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.